and and we we didn't read uh, most of these contracts and they were like okay we will sign it on the dot and they were like what do you mean oh well, we say well Probably you put a lot of thinking in it if you have 270 <laughs> pages. And then I, uh, probably it's, it's A-OK, we'll sign it on the spot. And you're like, what? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Exit Show, the podcast by P-Capital, where we talk to successful European tech founders about the exit of their companies and the path how they got there. My name is Remy Gieling, journalist, public speaker and podcast host. And our co-host is, as always, the co-founder and managing partner of P-Capital, Johan van Meel. Johan, welcome. Thank you. In the Big Exit Show, we will serve you with a crystal clear format. You will learn from Europe's brightest entrepreneurs. And we know your time is limited, so we try to keep it to 40 minutes or less. We talk about the origin story, about the growth phase, but more importantly, the exit. When do you decide to sell a company and how do you execute a successful sale? For this episode, we ask Jeroen van Vels, the co-founder and CEO of Roadmap, to join us. Roadmap is an award-winning SaaS platform for corporate travel. And Johan, you used to travel a lot pre-COVID. Were you an avid user? Uh, no, I was not. No, I was planning to, but uh, I have always have a lot of plans, as you yeah, know. Yeah, they, f- they focus on corporates uh, mostly. So I'm you, not so corporate. Yeah, you have to work at a corporate to use their amazing software. Um, let me introduce our honored guest. He started his career as a management consultant ooh, before deciding it might be a bit too boring for a lifelong career. Then he started his first company, mobile to pay in 2002, sold it three years later to start Sound of Data and selling it 10 years later. In 2015, he started Roadmap, a well-designed, more compliant, truly traveler-centric support system that leads to higher value for travelers and traveler managers. Their words. It was sold this year to the American conglomerate Embers. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeroen van Velzen. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Jeroen, good to have you here. What's the what's the heroic story of, of Roadmap? How was the hero- heroic origin story? Ah, the, the, the hero's journey. The hero's journey. In the beginning. <laughs> Boy meets girl. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so our, our story was actually, uh, the heroic story is that we found out in the travel industry, nobody gives a damn about the traveler. So they care about filling planes, filling cars, filling hotels, but they don't care about the traveler because the money's in the bank the minute you sell the transaction. Yeah, transaction base, right? Immense. Um, so with the advent of mobile, uh, yeah, you can actually lengthen the customer journey. Uh, so we said, okay, well, the only way to talk to a traveler is using a mobile phone. And uh, that's the market we're going to grab. So that was the heroic story. Purely naive, dive into <laughs> a very big market. <laughs> Yay, yeah. let's go. So that's how it started. And, and, and what was the, the, so this is the heroic story, the, the story you often say, right, if I read about you in interviews or listen to you in podcasts, what was the real story behind it? The real story was we uh, had uh, a company called Sound of Data and we were very big in text messaging here in the Netherlands. I had a company, as Remy told, uh, mobile to pay and I had one of the earliest OTAs in the Netherlands as a customer. And uh, the guy called me and he said, uh, well, you're big on text messaging because you, we, we did all the TV shows like American Idol and Big Brother, that kind of show. Could you text flight times to travelers? And we said, well, sure. And that's how it started. So um, we started with <laughs> uh, scanning uh, CFAX, uh, you know, teletext here. In yeah, the yeah. Okay. So we made a picture of a teletext page of uh, the Schiphol arrival times okay. <laughs> and departure <laughs> and texting times. texting that to and people. And we OCR'd it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the database of real-time flight information. And, and that's we, how you started the company? That's how we started, uh, yeah. Uh, 
what's the first thing you remember about Roadmap? What, what was the first day like? Do you remember? Oh, that was crazy because uh, we started in Delft and, and our previous company was in Rotterdam. So we said, okay, we're not going to stay in Rotterdam because most of the people uh, live in, uh, in The Hague or Amsterdam. So we said, okay, we take a train and we move up and we get rid of all of the lease cars. And the first station we get out that has a beautiful office, we're going to rent it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. And it was Delft. And it was Delft. It was actually the uh, the former Chamber of Commerce. It was open. It was clear. It had this industrial feeling like, you know, f- full startup. Rent was like nothing. And uh, so a day later, uh, we basically got into the office. And uh, two weeks later, we had 20 people working. Yeah, m- many, many entrepreneurs who sell our company take uh, a while off, maybe maybe some vacation or, or get away with the family. Yeah, the, the intelligent founders do. <laughs> <laughs> really intelligent. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 you lacked that, <laughs> that, no, it was that full insight blown, by then. Uh, it was like, okay, wow. Uh, also because yeah, we, we really sold to the other company to build this one. Right, so the other piece was making a lot of money, and uh, there was it was in the autumn of its of its life cycle, and this was like springtime, was full of energy. So yeah, even if if you, if you would force me to sit on the beach, I'd probably kill some money on the, on the <laughs> beach. To, to start because from. I imagine that your wife, right, and your kids also say, you know, yes, Dad, so now you have time for us, right? Yes, yes, they told me, and then uh, but they also know that okay, you know, if if this happens, if the fire is in the eyes, then uh, go go go. But in the end, it did back, backfire uh, six or nine months later. Because yeah, because how uh, looking back now, the first year, how was it like, right? B- it because was you crazy. Yeah, it was truly crazy in in all of the the senses, and and I think it was most crazy because we were like beyond successful for a a a, a sort of yeah just start startup, right? So in the first year, we won the most uh, prestigious award in in the industry. Uh, we launched it in the U.S., which is also weird for a Dutch company. So we had no Dutch customers. So okay, let's launch in the U.S. and uh, and we signed up uh, Pfizer as a, as a first customer. Uh, two years ago, we had to explain what Pfizer was. Their marketing is really <laughs> amazing. <laughs> how how did you do that? Because that was, I think, for me, through the interesting right the grid model, what you always use. That the, you had a very clear dream of what your company should be, and then you also you named five clients, right? Uh, three of them. You got on board. Pfizer was ex- uh, the first one, apparently. Yeah, and they were not part of the of the five initial names. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. How did you get a company like that on board? How did you, because you were a young company, not yeah. funded, bootstrapped at that time, with yeah. a big vision, very bold vision, three ambitious founders. Yeah. How did you get them on board? Yeah, I think I think the you know the heroic story is like it's grit and etc. <laughs> yeah. The real story is, the real story? is like okay. Well, let's strive for the biggest companies. Okay, cool. Yeah, why not? You know, totally naive and mm-hmm. not knowing anything about enterprise sales process or whatsoever. Where do you start? Do you just randomly go find, look look for people on LinkedIn? Yep. Uh, basically, that's it. Because in our previous business, we've learned that when we started this 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 online travel agencies in the Netherlands, and then we had all of these agencies in the Netherlands as customers. Okay, now there are probably more in the rest of the world. Okay, cool. Let's go on LinkedIn and uh, talk to these agencies. And two months later, we were flying across Europe and we sold to all of these agencies. So then we learned like, okay. And it was just cold, cold emailing. Cold emailing. Back in the days, it was easier. We actually uh, sent the the CEO and the founder of LinkedIn a box of champagne to thank him for all of the business (laughs) he created for us. It was really funny. So Kuhn did. And Kuhn was a master of uh, of LinkedIn marketing uh, uh, before it actually got big. So because these days you get just like spammed uh, with yeah, all but, kinds but of. Yeah, but back then, you know, hey, I got a message through LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, who is this 
<laughs> and uh, so, so, so that worked. In the travel business, it didn't work. So this was called emailing. I, I think Microsoft, which was one of the initial five, um, when uh, when we landed the contract, we uh, we looked back. I sent the travel manager of Microsoft 52 emails before he answered. 52? 52. In a period of? Mm, nine months. Nine months, okay. And, wow. you, and you knew you had the right email address? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I got out of offices and that kind of stuff, which is, yeah! yeah. Then you put in your agenda, after email and then again, yeah. right? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's how it works. It, it might be an interesting tactic to just like uh, se send a meeting invitation directly into a calendar. Maybe that happens. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. happens? I get this. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, it happens oh, to me. Yeah. 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 Really but then you have a decline. Yeah. 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 So all listeners also? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. Yeah. We've okay. We've done everything to... Um, so perseverance is, is an important one. Uh, what did this 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 gentleman re respond to after the, the the 50 second time was it like please leave me alone <laughs> no uh, he he actually was in the jury of that award that we won oh really so that was funny so he he sort of hey, i think i know you and I said, <laughs> but you do yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sent me 52 emails <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that was really funny yeah but but but, but in in reality that's what that's what it's about right so if you, if you paint a mental picture and and and, and i really really believed that the solution that we uh, that we actually envisioned was for these types of companies so i knew he had to buy my product hey and, th and then th this was the corporate product right where you ended yep. with you started in the consumer space yeah, right? we started in the online travel agency space we still we still do so still um, Odigio so who owns Opodo, Go Voyage, and eDreams and Traffics here in the Netherlands still a customer and they have a lightweight version of uh, of the corporate platform. How do you know what what these companies these big companies are looking for? Because you're running a small scale company yourself, so it I envision it might it must be a bit difficult to 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 get into the minds of these 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 high paid corporate. Managers. Uh, yes and no. So, so what we did, we uh, we 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 went for a very visionary strategy, right? So we were painting a picture of what corporate travel would look like in five or ten years, and if you sell a vision, um, yeah, you can agree or you can disagree. But if you agree, then the next question is, okay, so what are you doing about this? So how are you playing to this strategy when when you agree to this vision? And then they're looking at you. Well, actually, we're not doing a lot. Okay, cool. So what would you do if you had a magic wand? Well, I would build a corporate app. Oh, really? Would you? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that is how how we sort of plotted that story in in, in vision selling, uh, because there was nothing in that that market was antiquated. Uh, you had very little innovation. It, uh, there were very few suppliers that were dominating a huge market. Now, you 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 mentioned that you had this vision for 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 corporate market, and you also knew, I think that these, these, these sales cycles for to, to, to get corporates on board must take enormous amounts of time. We didn't know back then. but <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and especially if you don't solve a direct pain, right? Because at that Absolutely. time, I think the problem that you had actually was a vitamin, right? It was not a real pain. It was not a, so the companies didn't need a real the pain. People were traveling the, anyway. The visionaries, they did, right? So Microsoft truly had a problem that they had a very complex travel program and they had no means to communicate with their employees. So they really had a problem. They tried to solve it themselves. Pfizer did as well. So they were actually building their own app themselves. Um, and and then we asked them, okay, so how are you going to finance that? How are you going to sustain that? Building an app yourself, and we knew how hard that is, especially in the travel space. So they did have a headache, uh, but that was not an exemplary of the market, and that's also where where, where we hit a, a uh, yeah a wall 
when you meet two of those big companies, you sign them up, and then you think, well, if Microsoft has it, then everybody else has that same problem. Well, it turns out it doesn't work that way. Right, so 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 that is something that uh, that 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 really hit us after nine months or so, when we were extremely successful in the beginning, and we were like unicorning all over the yeah, U.S. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, after nine months, yeah, you hit sort of like a brick. Well, hey, there aren't like fifty of those visionary buyers in the market. So what is the next level of the point? And then and then the real work starts. Yeah, and what happened then? After this period of nine months, right after this uh, successful period, yeah, then uh, then you start to figure out, okay, then you actually had to do stuff because obviously we sold something that wasn't there, so that was painful. The second was like, okay, where's the rest of the of the market, mm-hmm. and uh, and how do you get that? And um, the third layer was that um, I, I think that was sort of a year later um, that we figured it out, and then uh, we ran into uh, a consulting large consulting company, global consulting company that also saw what we saw and also wanted to turn it into a consulting business, wanted a piece of the company and uh, we got to uh, LOIs and that kind of stuff and then it blew up in our face. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard uh, because they were one of our largest customers at the same time yeah. and then they ripped the contract apart when we didn't agree to their investment terms. And then, uh, yeah, then we really were in a, in a shitty place because then we blew a lot of money because we were bootstrapped. So we basically took the money of our previous business and we tossed it all into this one. So that was, uh, yeah, growing and uh, dying at the same time. The growth phase. Now, eventually you got these big names like Nike, uh, Microsoft, as you said, uh, AXO, ASML, KPMG, TomTom. And and I think that that many startups are really listening to that and think, wow, I want that too. But it comes with a burden. I heard you say in another podcast that your contracts were like 260 pages, at uh, least, just <laughs> just to to get them on board, right? Yeah, yeah. Pfizer is a book, so uh, I, I, that was the first contract, and you were like, what the heck is going on here? And then yeah, it. But it's 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 like a ritual dance, right? So once you get the hang of it, yeah, it's just it's it's very predictable, right? So there there are no surprises. I can I can write a book about enterprise sales, you know how you how you actually build those relationships. How do you, how do you close such a deal? What do you need to do? It is it is a way of doing business, and uh, we found out the hard way. We were very naive, but luckily we were naive because if I knew in the beginning, I would definitely no, have gone into <laughs> another market. But at the same time, yeah, you know, it's hard to get in, hard to get out, um, and we did so in a very non-enterprise way, right? So uh, we met Johan at a few occasions, um, and yeah, Johan can attest. Yeah, typically we hang out at the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so that's where if we, you uh, look for Johan, just yeah, and and, and that is also how we do our <laughs> business, right? So and and that is not the, the the typical enterprise way. So we went to parties, we dressed up like idiots in suits. Um, <laughs> we went to our first conference. Everybody was wearing a suit, and we were wearing T-shirts, and we had models uh, walking around. And and what we wanted to do was do something within that enterprise environment. Okay, let's do it in a human way, right? So why do we have to treat each other as corporate versus corporate bullshit versus bullshit? Just let's do business in a very human-centric way. And um, I think that that was a, a breath of fresh air to that entire market. Finally, you know, normal human beings. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that and and we we didn't read uh, most of these contracts, and they were like, okay, we will sign it on the dot. And they were like, what do you mean? Oh, you say, well, 
Yeah, probably you put a lot of thinking in it if you have 270 <laughs> pages. And I, uh, uh, probably it's it's a okay. We'll sign it on the spot. And you're like, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Right? So <laughs> hire a lawyer. It'd yeah. probably take me more uh, more money uh, to hire that lawyer than uh, to renegotiate a contract that is non-negotiable. Because that's another thing. You can't negotiate a contract with these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, try to be in a, in a legal call with Microsoft mm-hmm. and. And say, well, that's the that's the price you pay for doing business with Microsoft. Oh, and, then you mean, and then you mean the standard terms and conditions, right? Yeah, of these players can't change it. Yeah, but 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 you know, regarding terms in a contract like pricing and uh, you know, pricing other, obviously yeah. is, uh, is is the single most important that's piece. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> yeah. And but the rest of it is is pretty much non-negotiable. So you also you always agreed more or less than on yeah, these terms, right? Because you wanted to get these brands. I have never logos. opened up a contract after I signed it, and all, for all of those customers, it's a ritual dance that is being created because of yeah, as coverage and uh, that kind of. Way. If if you really look at 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 what is what is going on, you know the other the other story obviously is also that. Uh, you treat your customers like your friends, and that's mm-hmm. actually what we did. So mm-hmm. right, so that's how we got them in, but that's also the relationship how we, how we treated them going forward. Mm-hmm. So and that was very consistent uh, with uh, yeah, with the initial stage of the relationship as well. So therefore, yeah, even if a relationship goes sour, then we also say, okay, let's end the contract. It's it's funny that you say that reading a contract because uh, there's one uh, expression I learned from founders, especially from serial founders. I know th- I know you don't like that term, right? But this is your third company. And there's a there's a theory that you know the first company is you know first company you make a lot of failures etc. Then the second company you will do everything which is completely opposite, and the third company is the most successful company because then you really found your drill right yep. and you know your uh, the, the 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 edges of both sides and then you yep. find your perfect way and is this the perfect way you run a company from your perspective also is to hustle your way in, act completely different, uh, read no contracts, uh, walk in crazy suits, stay at the bar and meet the clients. Is, is that uh, the, the conclusion also of your first two companies, how you start a successful company? Yeah, well, what we learned in the second company was toxic culture. Right? So I think what led to the to our um, craziness, which is to us is natural yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and is full self, right? So that, that is a term that has become bigger. But when we started, uh, it was the first page of our uh, cultural manifesto that we, we had no business plan, but we did have a cultural manifesto. And then we said, okay, you bring your full self to work every day. And, and that, that was the, the rationale also by, by not taking yourself too serious, right? So because yeah, we're full of failures and, 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 and we are crazy in the end. Uh, so therefore, yeah, uh, why why hide that? Let's 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 put more light on uh, on it than uh, than that we typically hide. It was going very well for, for for five years or so, and then all of a sudden there came this small pandemic. So let's go back to the early days of 2020. All of a sudden, you start hearing these rumors that 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 there is this virus spreading. How did you react? Uh, denial, uh, right? So that's the uh, first principle of a big crisis: deny. Uh, Nike is is is, is huge in uh, in China, obviously, and um, our main contact for Nike uh, is based in Shanghai. So yeah, we learned about this uh, very fast, and also with the, the closing down. And then when did you when did you hear in time? I think it was uh, end of December. It was oh, before wow. Christmas. Okay, and then. Um, yeah, in January, uh, and then you say, okay, this is a Chinese thing, and let's keep it a Chinese thing. And then 
yeah, the minute it starts spreading, yeah, then it then it was crazy because and then also what what we saw also in the consumer market, right? That 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 was like a, like like boom. It, it just immediately went from, I think on average we did 40,000 bookings a day, and it went to zero, right? So that's that's like, that's, it's immense. Mm. It's, you, you can't you can't imagine what that uh, what that feels like. So. Um, yeah, the first thing that we that we did was figuring out okay how how long and how deep is this uh, is this crisis, and we were signing up a lot of customers at the same time, and they were probably going to hold all of their projects. So yeah, the first uh, thing that we did was to uh, yeah basically get rid of the implementation teams that we just hired, which mm-hmm. was extremely painful because we all know how uh, how hard it is to hire the right team, mm-hmm. and, uh, which which is probably fifty percent of the of the time being spent, especially by founders. So that was that was a that was a hard one. And then the second uh, was yeah to basically get all of the support that we could uh, from government uh, and also what what TechLeap was doing on uh, on the COL, which was actually our lifesaver at uh, at that moment. Um, so that's how we basically navigated that uh, that that first crisis, but it was it was very 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 hard. Because how was your revenue model structured? Is it like is it like a fixed fee that these companies pay, or is it per booking? Yeah, most of them do. Some some of our earliest customers they were actually on a on a per transaction basis, so that went down to zero as well. And all of the consumer stuff, which was still 50 percent of our Revenue is actually uh, booking based, so that is on a per transaction level. So we, I think, overnight we lost probably 45 percent of our uh, of our revenue, which wasn't the hardest problem. The hardest problem, especially in a growing company, was that these implementations can't hold it because uh, you know that our sales cycle is 12 to 14 months. So it takes you a lot of time to actually get those contracts in, and then you start implementing, which takes another six to eight weeks. And if that stops, yeah, then also your future cash stops. So and 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 that was the the the, the growth machine. And so prob- probably at that time you took the contracts which you signed but didn't read out of the closet, right? And then uh, looked right. So what's uh, when will they start paying, right? Or yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what was the contract standard, right? Did they have to pay only after implementation or with a certain? No, we had a fixed uh, we had a fixed time on uh, the minute you sign, and then we start invoicing. Okay, and, very good. Uh, yeah. a fixed, American uh, model. Yeah, yeah the okay. American model. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to charge for something that you're not going to use, right? So, um, and there was also, I'd rather have these companies yeah, beyond this crisis, because back then we said, okay, we'll be flying out in September again, right? So it's a three, six month delay. Let's take that delay because the cost of sales is so much higher mm-hmm. than, uh, uh, than uh, yeah, uh, basically wanting that money right now. So that's also what we did, and we learned uh, the, the, the did second. You, uh, did you actively contact your clients and said, we're going to yeah. pause the subscription, yeah. right? Yeah. And because we're gonna the pause first the strategy was no churn. So we did not want to lose a, a customer on uh, on the pandemic. So that was rule number one, no churn. Mm-hmm. And rule number two is uh, yeah, get uh, all of the cost out that we uh, we didn't need. And rule number three is get more cash in. It <laughs> <laughs> helps, right? Yeah. Be- because your revenue then went to more than zero, right? Because half the booking revenue went away and the other half was subscription-based. And you ended that yourself. So your revenue was... Close to zero. Then no, the, the the big companies they kept us afloat. So uh, and actually some of those they actually uh, went as far as prepaying the contracts for future oh, years. Oh wow! So, okay. Yeah, that was that was really 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 cool. So um, which is which is also a, a tell of how this industry uh, works if you do it right. 
right? So they, they said, yeah, you, you guys are vital also in the return of travel. So therefore, yeah, you, you guys need to keep afloat and uh, we'll take care of that. Um, so, so th and that was also very heartwarming at the, at the same time. The exit phase. You learned from previous companies what it's like to sell a company. Was it the same all three times? No, uh, definitely not. Um, in the previous company, we had a uh, we had a shareholder conflict. So the reason why we exited was that uh, yeah the the shareholders wanted something else. So one part of the shareholders wanted to invest in future money, and the other uh, part of the investors want cash in, in the here and now. So that was a conflict. Uh, so therefore, we uh, we exited the cash component that uh, and we invested it. So so that and that was a, that was a fight. That was a breakup. Um, so the emotion there were very high and it was very personal and it got ugly and uh, but then we were really happy that we <laughs> we were apart so that felt uh, that was that was a that was a different emotion and the first one where i was was basically a complete failure so uh, um, i don't think it's it, it would it would uh, be an um, uh, an exit, uh, yeah, it was an exit out of, out of misery. <laughs> <laughs> That's also an exit. Yeah, right? it's also an exit. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a but big it, exit. It was not the financial exit that uh, that you would claim. And but I think to to Johan's point, that I, I think I learned the most in, uh, in 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 the first exit also to make sure and make no enemies, right? So treat your customers even while you go down. You keep on taking care of them because the first customer that we landed in the next company was actually one of those customers of that first company. So that the whole story is intertwined. Um, and I think from an exit perspective as well, I always had a hard time when we were talking about investors. Okay, what's your exit strategy? I don't build companies. Uh, to exit them, never, never have, and never will, because I, I think in finite, right? So, uh, and also that's 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 how you motivate the team. You motivate the team with an infinite dream, right? It's Sinek uh, by the book, um, but but that's 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 typically how you how you motivate people. If I, if I say, okay, we're going to end this in five years, my mindset completely changes. But from an investor point of view. Yeah, you have to. So because yeah, that that is how you make your financial return. Yeah, that's also the reason why you know in the first phase you didn't. Sorry, in the first phase of the company you didn't want an investor to step on board, right? Absolutely. And, and, and also to the to that point because I also know my timing is always off tremendously. So in my first company it was twenty years off. <laughs> mobile payment, well, it's maybe two years. I think in sound of data for travel, I think timing was probably off by ten years, and here it was uh, off by five years. Mm -hmm. But back then, you're getting we started, closer. Yeah, we're getting closer, <laughs> but but still, I didn't know how much time it would take for the market to understand that this change was about to happen. And then, if you have an investor on board that says, "Okay, it is five years, quarter by quarter, I need you to double double down," while well, I'm not sure whether the route that I'm currently on is the end route that we're that we're taking. So in in the beginning we were very reluctant of of moving down that uh, that VC path, and at the same time everybody was knocking on our door, right? So all of these big VCs they were knocking on the door saying, "Hey, what are you guys doing? Are you actually disturbing this tr multi-trillion dollar market space?" And we're like, no, "Dude, we're just doing our thing," but in in the end it does dribble through, right? So you start to believe that you actually have to raise, and you start, you know, drinking the VC Cool Aid, which is you know founders watch that Cool Aid. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, not everybody needs to raise, right? So I would, I, I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of figuring out how you can build a company without raising money, because ultimately, yeah, that is that is what a company should be. 
And if you really have a fast-growing machine, then yeah, put as much gasoline in it as possible and, and raise as much money as you can. But building a company to raise money is is or exit it, it uh, that's, that's that's stupid. But sometimes, if you read all of the stories, that that's that's what it this this whole industry is about. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's the same for exit, right? I I think emotionally, uh, there's 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 no good exit or a beautiful exit because ultimately that's that's not why you build a company um, but I, I do think that um, if if you are in a, a situation like like we ended up yeah it, it's also yeah counting your cards and and your options yeah, okay what can we do and in all of those situations that has been the same in the first one it was okay let's kill the business in the second one okay we gotta go apart and, and <laughs> kill my partners yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah shoot them. but um, and in, in in this case yeah it was uh, we got an offer that was too good to be true in uh, looking at the situation that we were at and and the alternative because yeah. in this case the the buyer uh, contacted you guys right yeah 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 so we knew the the buyer so it's k1 which is the owner of embers and um, uh, the minute we won that award i think the week later they were they were calling because yeah these guys they know the market they scan the marketplace they know all of the innovators and they make sure they keep the relationships uh, with these guys alive and not all the, the all the listeners work for big corporates so maybe not everyone knows embers what 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 what, what kind of company is it like what did you do is, um, so Embers is uh, an, an expense and spend management company. So the minute you start traveling, um, we all got to fill in those uh, beautiful expense reports. And what Embers tries to do is to automate all of these these Embers layers. So the ultimate goal is to basically remove expense reports from uh, from the pain and to humanize work. They have fourteen thousand customers, uh, sixteen thousand uh, um, since we uh, since we uh, joined, um, and I think they have nine hundred uh, people working for them globally. But massive what they do in terms of transactions also, right? In terms yeah, it's of huge. bookings. It's yeah, really it's huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the uh, the spend through the platform right now is, is beyond sixty billion US dollars. So how did they how did they reach out? Did they like send an email? Did they call you? Yeah, no, it's, it starts with an email. Uh, and it's uh, it's an associate of a of a of a, um, a private equity firm saying, Okay, we want to want to know what you guys are doing and um, basically have a call. Yeah. And you didn't think too much of it. No, five years ago, uh, I didn't know K1, I didn't know Embers, I didn't know Jack. And then yeah, the minute it starts interesting, you start building partner relationships. Um, and, 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 and that's what you do. Uh, you know, you do that with all of the VCs, but also private equity, also all of our strategic, all of the M&As of, uh, of potential exit candidates. It is part of, of your role as a CEO. Yeah, to basically uh, yeah, make sure that you that you have all of those those people in your in your Rolodex. Did you do that also with your previous companies that way, building relationships, etc., on different levels and with different potential strategic partners? No, yeah, not in in this uh, at this level, no. uh, but also because we have a very you know the travel space is extremely complicated mm -hmm. and really fast moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 therefore, uh, I found it extremely important yeah, to be connected to most of the senior people of all of these large uh, suppliers. But you learn also from them, right? Yeah, it's free it's, consulting. It's free consulting. Yeah. Also, how they see the market space and also how they look at us, right? So we were really a very disturbing uh, entity in the market space, uh, and we deliberately played that role as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and therefore, also got a lot of information on why people got scared, and uh, uh, yeah. So it, 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 I, I actually like that part a lot. And what were some yeah. of the terms that you wouldn't want to negotiate about? When when they uh, 
showed interest of, uh, of buying, I went out and immediately put uh, um, put out, okay, th these are our terms for which uh, we're going to negotiate. Um, and if you can't agree to that, there's there's no deal, there's no there's no process, there's no nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in the, that was the first story. Um, also to make it really clear to okay, what 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 is sort of the, uh, this surrounding because it can take a lot of time uh, out of your agenda and there was one thing that I didn't have at the time because yeah we were in a very in crisis mode mm -hmm. yeah it's talk about acquisitions and that kind of stuff right so you have a lot of tire kickers out in the market saying okay these these guys are probably distressed no, let's no. see if I can, uh, I can I can buy cheap and that was that was something that was happening I said I said uh, if, if you can't get to a uh, uh, a multiple that is double digit and uh, on future revenue, um, you know, stop stop bothering. And you mentioned that to the uh, associate which uh, called you. No, 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 no. That no. was uh, that was on a, at okay. a different level <laughs> of the <laughs> organization. <laughs> yeah. No, in in the beginning, what what we also wanted to do is is build relationship with the management team, mm -hmm. right? So uh, you know, I, 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 as as much as I like finance people. Um, investors, yeah, they have they're, they're, right. Ultimately, these uh, these guys love spreadsheets more than they love business. And I'm a businessman, so I would like to talk business, and I want to talk to the management of Embers, what they wanted to do, and I don't want to talk about an, uh, yeah, an, an associate that wants to look at my numbers, mm -hmm. because ultimately that's what they want. Mm -hmm. So um, what we did is build relationship on a management level to see, okay, where where do you guys see this match? Um, but that was after uh, I said, okay, guys, uh, we, uh, if, if I'm going to spend time on this, this is the zone uh, in which we are talking. If you're not willing to do that, then um, let's, let's, let's not waste time here. And how many time did you spend until you put that message on the table, right? How many meetings did you have? Calls? I think we had three or four, uh, four meetings. Oh, okay, yeah. And Zoom meetings, I assume, right? You yeah, yeah, you yeah. Probably we, didn't I've, I've never met all of these people. No, you never. It's completely Zoom done deal, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. okay. an end-to-end virtual deal. Nice. How, okay. do, how yeah. do the contracts get signed? Is it also digital? Or do I you don't need know. To I sign never them? read contracts. <laughs> <laughs> they, for, they force your signature. Well, these contracts I read pretty well, I must say. Uh, uh, sorry, I missed the question. Maybe you mentioned the word of did you also sign them digitally, or do you have to yeah, yeah, sign yeah. no, 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 no. by it pen? Was, it was all virtual. Yeah. All virtual. Hey, and, 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 and what strikes me a little bit is indeed the question, uh, uh, because the first learning was, you know, uh, with a deal with a strategic partner that they can drop out, right? And in this case, you are being uh, approached by a company. It takes a little of time. We all know that, um, uh, you know, as we say it in Dutch, it is pas binnen als je het kunt binnen, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we always oh. know it takes a lot of time, right? Oh. And still you went for that single opportunity, right? You didn't put any other cards on the table. No, also time. because we still didn't want to sell, okay. right? Yeah. So uh, we were not selling the company also because we were in this, uh, we were in a special place because we had cash generated uh, so and, and we got to a break-even point so we didn't need to sell at the same time our uh, sales was going through the roof mm -hmm. so yeah we found uh, validation in the market space and going forward yeah, we were pretty confident that we can get back to growth mm -hmm. which is a very lux luxurious position to be in yeah. and if I then want to sell I say okay let's wait a while until we start flying again uh, build uh, revenue and then see if it still makes sense to sell. Yeah, well, what's, what's, what was the reason that you decided to sell anyway? Because of the um, uh, the Embers philosophy, right? So what they bring to the to the market space and their philosophy, what they want to do, yeah, that that was like a, a dream come true for us. 
because that's, they see what we see, uh, but from a way larger uh, perspective, right? So we only look at travel, but they look at all corporate spend. Mm -hmm. And we have built an, an employee experience platform. I won't share too much here, but yeah, you can imagine if you start combining those two powers, you get something yeah, very, very interesting. So, so that means that um, yeah, we were basically uh, going beyond uh, what, yeah, what, what we actually wanted to do in the end, right? So our end game, uh, they basically shortcutted that. So what we wanted to do in the end was basically make uh, expense reports go away. Where were there some other parts of the of the deal terms that were non-negotiable for you? You mentioned the multiples, maybe something about culture. Yeah, well, that's hard to negotiate, right? So that's something that you need to feel. Um, and that was that was the reason, right? We had a huge culture fit with the management team of Embers, uh, even on on a on a digital level. So uh, I, I, even I, without a bar, even <laughs> without a bar. So <laughs> probably that's the first deal we ever did without a bar involved. Which is actually funny because Hans, our, our advisor, Hans Gauss, it's also on our board. Uh, there are moments in the negotiation that he said, "Okay, this is the moment that we're suffering from." Uh, the fact that this is virtual, because this typically was the moment. Okay, guys, let's yeah. go down in a bar and let's 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 see if we can, you know, get some pressure out of the negotiations. And uh, yeah, right. So yeah. virtually walking away from a table is also not that <laughs> cool. Work, right? <laughs> no, I lost connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this meeting. Hey, and, and and how did how did because your investor Nuion was also on board, right? And and as a VC, I know it's really important to have the right price and the right terms for a company, right? How did you convince you, Nuion especially about this deal, right? Because you had a strong fit with indeed Embers, right? The cultural fit, but also the shared vision, yeah. which of course very good, but it's enough you know, to a VC, the return and especially the money it brings down to the table, that's the most important thing, right? Besides a good fit. How did you convince them on this trajectory? I, um, th that, th that wasn't that hard um, because yeah we both saw where we came from and yeah that that other tour was going to be hard and would take more time mm -hmm. and the price and the the, the, the deal range that uh, yeah that 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 we negotiated up front that was the deal range that I also negotiated with Nuion said okay if we're going to do that can you uh, live with a deal range like this. Right. So, so that's what we did. So, yeah, they were partners of, uh, of, okay. the, of, the, of the fully aligned on that fully game. aligned on, uh, on on that game. Yeah. And how did you deal with uh, because good that they were aligned indeed on the on the deal value? How did you align on the other stuff, right? Where founder and a VC are not fully aligned with each other, right? Especially if you stay there. You might uh, convert some of your shares in a new shares or whatever salary, right? There's some things always where you're not aligned. How did you deal with that? Well, uh, it, it created some friction in the, in the process, to be honest. Um, also, I, I, I wasn't uh, fully aware of the of the fact that, you know, an investor uh, prefers cash over stock. This wasn't a full uh, cash deal, so it was cash and stock. Um, also, because yeah, we also believe in what Embers wants. So that typically is not something that, that investors uh, like to have stock in other companies that they do not control or can exercise any influence over that route of the company. So that is something that, uh, yeah, that that that, that yeah, you also have to negotiate with with your VC, mm -hmm. and uh, but that's yeah, that's that's business, uh, and you have to find a way to get out of there and make everybody happy again. 
and ultimately, yeah, it's always hard to uh, to please everyone. So yeah, we pull a little water at the uh, and we uh, serve it next to the wine, <laughs> 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 and then uh, ultimately, yeah, we didn't get drunk because uh, yeah, there was water in wine. What was the what was the best advice you got uh, going into the negotiations? Did you get any advice from from someone or? Do you have any advice yeah, for Hans, listeners? Hans, uh, uh, I, I, right? I would always suggest to hire an advisor uh, for, for multiple reasons. In, in, in our case, it's getting the emotions out, right? So it is an emotional roller coaster uh, throughout such a negotiation phase because it takes way longer. They ask way more information that you have available. It takes way more hours out of your day. Um, and, and and you get stressed out because yeah, you, you do not control this process. You can't. Even if you think you do, you don't. Because, yeah, uh, to Johan's point, in the end, uh, it's only been if we, if we can start pinning. So, um, and, and that, that is the pressure, right? So, you, you, I, uh, looking back, I always felt this pressure like, okay, this, it is a possibility that it will break, right? So, um, and, and that, that creates pressure. Because in the end, uh, yeah, you sign LOIs, you start believing in uh, in that story as well, and we really got enthusiastic about that whole Ember story and really got excited about that opportunity uh, as well. So yeah, there's there's a lot of emotion. So I would advise to hire an advisor and to split the emotion and, uh, and the rationalities uh, a lot. Now, what's your personal plan for the near future? I have no plan. You still work at the company, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah and it, it, that's fascinating, right? Because in one other th thing I read that you, you're an entrepreneur because you don't like to be bossed. Yeah. <laughs> but now you have a boss, right? <laughs> yeah. But I have a very, very, very nice boss. Okay. So, but, uh, no, but it, it is true. Uh, I have an authority problem, uh, quite big. I made a commitment to myself that uh, I, I want to stay at least 12 months for two reasons. One is to make sure that the team integrates well. And second, that also the, the plan uh, on why we, we did this whole transaction also becomes uh, gets to fruition. So that I find important. But yeah, ultimately, um, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not staying because I, I need to stay. Um, and I'm, I, don't, uh, I don't believe that, um, yeah, that, that, that you should stay because yeah, you need to stay. Uh, but no. you probably have an earn out, right? And you, have a, yeah, you don't have an earn out because you're, you converted your shares, right? So you have yeah. an, indeed, a I have an personal, interest, you have an interest yeah. to stay, right? But at the same time, yeah, my <laughs> yeah. share is, is so small that uh, I also don't have the, 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 the belief that I can actually influence something in such a company like this, right? So they, you know, we are a very small portion of their revenue. I think strategically we can make a huge impact on their future business. And that's what I intend to do. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, yeah, I am a visionary leader. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that, that also should match with the rest of the organization and the needs of those organizations at the same time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if, if there's a match, we will see. Um, and at the same time, I'm, I'm truly enjoying it as well because I'm, uh, it's, it's a long time since I've learned so much that you, when you get into this new environment, right, you get so much thrown at you of a new industry that I also do not know that well. So that is what, that is, that is what I like a lot, but I'm, I'm sick and tired of Zooming all day. <laughs> Uh, and especially, yeah, these are guys are at the other, yeah, at the, the other, at the other side of the ocean. So, yeah, I can't wait to jump into a plane and meet everybody and, and really get the juices flowing because, yeah, this is not going to fly like this. What, what is the gift that you? Because what we see a lot with uh, 
founders who exit their company is that they bully themselves completely off the table, right? It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of, and then when you finally exit your company, it's always good to give yourself some little gift or a big gift or whatever. What did you give yourself? So there was also, there were there are requirements with the deal market. So you have to pass it on to a next generation. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that was one of the things. So, so Marcus couldn't mean, we, we went to, uh, b between signing and, um, and the end of the negotiation, there were like, they needed a stamp from the SEC, and that uh, that actually kept the deal from uh, uh, from going through. So there were like six or seven days, and they would say, "Okay, screw it, we're taking a plane." So we went to Bonaire, and uh, we hired a, a, a beautiful house uh, near to the ocean, and uh, we just sat there for five days talking about markers. Yeah, but um, I, I haven't um, haven't got myself uh, crazy cars, or the, I, I don't like stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't yes. think that will happen. Yeah. 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 After, no, after the midlife crisis, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, talk. But I don't yeah. like cars. I don't like watches. I don't. I, I don't have any uh, any expensive hobbies. But I like traveling, so uh, I, I hope uh, to see a lot of the world and uh, and, and, yeah. and do it with uh, uh, with my family and uh, kids because that's that's what I enjoy most. Traveling with kids is one of the most beautiful things because you get to see the world through their eyes as well. Devaluation. Now, in this segment, we make an educated guess about devaluation of the exit. Um, you can only reply with the words correct, higher, or lower. In May 2018, Roadmap raised their Series A round from Nubion. The Series A round was around 4 million euros, and the founders contributed roughly 50%, so 2 million. Assuming that the dilution caused by the capital injection from Nuion was 15 to 20%, we can make an educated guess that the company was valued at around 12 to 15 million euros in their Series A round in May 2018. Fast forward three years, Roadmap was acquired by Embers in March 2021. Interestingly for us, Enverse's competitor, Coupa Software, acquired a similar company named Pana in the same month. What can this tell us about Roadmap's potential exit valuation? In its most recent filing with the SEC, Coupa said that it, quote, paid aggregate cash of approximately 48.5 million USD and issued roughly 24,000 shares of common stock for the PANA deal. This puts PANA's exit at around 55 million USD or roughly 45 million euros. Two important differences between PANA and Roadmap are one, PANA raised more money. They raised around 10 million euros, excuse me, 10 million US dollars during their Series A in 2019, at around a 60 million USD valuation. Two, Pana was larger. They had around 88 employees at the time of acquisition, whereas Roadmap had only 25. Here we have two competitors in the fintech space acquiring a travel tech startup in the same month. We know that travel got hit hard then, and we expect that these startups were sold with a slight discount, as proven in the Pana deal. Sales were struggling, and current investors had shaky hands. Seeing that Pana exited at a lower valuation than their previous round, and also taking into consideration that Dutch founders are generally more capital efficient than their American counterparts, we would guess that Roadmap's exit valuation is around the same price as the valuation of their last round, or slightly more. This would put us at around 30 to 35 million euros. So, was the exit value high or lower? Or exactly right. <laughs> well done. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to The Big Exit Show. We hope you enjoyed today's program. If you did, please subscribe to our show at Spotify or your favorite podcast platform. And if you have any feedback, please send us a message to podcast at peak.capital. My name is Remy Gieling. And I'm Johan van Mil. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you join us at the next episode.